Welcome to the Short Rod Show. You're talking with Ben. And Brett. And Brandon. Hey, what's that? We got a, a mysterious third person on the line here. Uh, got a little bit of a special podcast for you guys today. We're really excited. Um, have our uh, one of our good fishing buddies, Brandon, uh, on the line with us. He's been uh, generous enough to come to talk to us today about a little bit about his ice fishing experience and his ice fishing philosophy. So we're really excited to have him on today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I feel like uh, once you guys told me what the content was going to be, I, I know what it's about. It's it's a roast session, but I'm here for other people <laughs> to learn from me, for sure. Good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Brandon's calling in from his uh, Buick. Uh, yeah. And so this is our first call-in, so we'll see. Hopefully everything goes smoothly. The plug has been pretty sweet so far. Yeah, no, and the and the seat warmers are on. The heat don't work, so we'll be good for a while. <laughs> nice, nice. Good deal. So, yeah, before we get into our break, Brandon, I just want to grill into you a little bit. Uh, kind of what is it about fishing that you like? What, what kind of horns you up about it? You know, uh, my dad took me when I was probably nine uh, to northern Minnesota, and uh, I always viewed it as a competition putting a puzzle together. And yeah. uh, in the last six to eight years, for sure, kind of expanded my horizons got into musky fishing, which if anyone who's listening is thinking about it, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Um, it's, yeah, Brandon's it's a lot about of fun. the most hard-up musky fisherman you've ever met. Oh, man. It's <laughs> it's it's like trophy deer hunting, I'm guessing. That I also wouldn't know about, but attempt to. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, obviously kind of just like ice fishing was just a new frontier to try out. A great way to spend time with friends and get out of the office and spend some quality time with some fellas. Yeah, man. Anytime you get out of the office, have a few beers. Yep. Oh. I'm all over it. Absolutely. They're always cold, and no matter if it's summer or winter. Well, that gets to be the problem. Cold. Sometimes then they'll freeze on you, and you got to get you got to dig a beer hole. That's what I've been known <laughs> to do. You, you dig two holes for fishing and one hole to float the beers in. So Brandon's been fishing with us now for I don't know how long. Brandon, eight eight years, six eight years. Yeah, and I think if I I mean I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think I was part of the reason how you guys got to know each other. I think yep. that started on a mutual fishing trip, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yep. right along those lines. Back in the day, summer fishing, bringing the, people the, together, the match. The stars aligned and, and everything, and this was born. My goodness. Oh, yeah. Look what you started. Yeah. <laughs> this journey has been pretty amazing with the podcast and getting all that going. And I mean, when did I first mention even doing the podcast? Like, what? Yeah, like a month, month First and of half October? Ago. Yeah. And yep. then, yeah, picked up the recorder, and Brandon was like, hey, I want to be on this podcast even before we recorded our first episode. Yep. Yeah, we're really excited to have you, Brandon, and uh, excited to dig in on some good stories, some good uh, fishing philosophy with you here after the break on The Short Rod Show. Hey there, guys. If you've been over to our website lately over at shortrodshow.com and like what you see, you should get in touch with our partners over at Evergrow Marketing. They're a digital marketing agency that works primarily with landscape and lawn care businesses, but they also work with guys like us. They can help your business show up on Google and also get you a lot more customers through their unique digital marketing methods. Reach out to them over at evergrowmarketing.com and make sure you mention that Ben and Brett sent you from the Short Rod Show podcast to get an additional 10% off your first bill. Ben and I would really like to thank our listeners. Since we've aired this podcast, we've gotten an unbelievable fan response. We just want to remind you guys where you can reach us at shortrodshow.com. You can feel free to email us or follow our newsletter. You can also find us on any of your podcasting platforms, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. Also follow us on Facebook, The Short Rod Show, and anytime you see those five little stars, please hit number five. 
Hey, welcome back to the Short Rod Show. Thanks for following along with us through the break. Uh, today we're talking with our good buddy Brandon, a uh, good fishing buddy. He's on the phone with us and just here to talk ice fishing, have a good time uh, with, with Brett and I. And we're leading in with a few good topics we think you guys will really enjoy um, on this episode. You know, we want to bring a little bit different perspective to it and, and have Brandon talk a little bit about his ice fishing experience because it's a lot different uh, from, from mine and Brett's. Oh, yeah. So Brandon definitely brings in some different experiences. That's yep. for sure. Yeah, talk talk <laughs> about that, Brandon. Where where do you come from as an ice fisherman? When did you first start ice fishing? What got you into it? Kind of where are you at right now? Sure, sure. And so number one, uh, started ice fishing five years ago. Was going out with Ben, and uh, let me in on it. I hate being cold, so that wasn't a very good start. Um, but I loved open water fishing, and it was just like I said earlier, a new frontier to experiment with, learn. Um, I don't know how much I've learned thus far. I've learned what not to do, which I think will be the biggest takeaways from listeners today. <laughs> uh, we, I've, I definitely have taught a few classes at the School of Hard Knocks, for sure. Um, and if people are wondering, some of the principles you've heard in these other episodes, I've been a part of what not to do with Ben. So uh, they're legit rules, and they should be followed, for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I, I would claim myself as a novice angler, um, hoping to get out three to five times a year. Um, the problem with that is, as other weekend warriors know, is that it's hard to put together patterns. And I know Ben and Brett have put so much time in on different bodies of water to start patterning fish, uh, picking up tips like the decoy crappie. Yep. That's, guys <laughs> like me still follow that decoy. Yep. Well, uh, you, you can't tell me that you're not looking like a pro with your radioactive pickle out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I put a I put a tough run out there. Yeah, I could fool. I could fool a guy for a while until he comes up with his six pack of Miller and starts drilling down. Well, that's bit. the problem with that radioactive pickle. You can see that thing halfway across the lake, so everybody knows when you're setting the hook on a fish. <laughs> it is a beacon. That is true. <laughs> and with it being an ultralight, it, it's got a pretty nice flex to it. Oh yeah, everybody thinks you're hauling in a hog. Yep. <laughs> Good deal. So, so you're still a novice even after being out there five or so years, right? Um, yeah. and, and like expand on that. What do you, what do you, uh, what takeaways have you gotten from our podcast so far? That's, that's a good thing. Um, number one, just listen to you guys talk on the flashers. Um, it's easy to, um, I always have the question of should I be switching my tactics? How long should I be staying in this hole? Um, you know, trying to read my flasher in terms of what the bottom content's doing, how neutral and negative the fish are, um, I'm a guy who's got two rods going. I don't have six, eight rods, um, just constantly ripping through baits. Um, and then a, another part of it is, is, as you guys know, you can you say you're going to go out and Swiss cheese a, a lake, and then you're carrying your gas auger out there, and after about eight holes, you're like, <laughs> all right, yeah. let's start with that. Yeah. So let's start with that, and then let's uh, go from there. So um, another plug that you guys have, have said is just some of the things, you, you tweaks you've done to your shelters. I mean, simple ideas but brilliant. Um, ben, I've been with you out on the ice and you've MacGyvered up several things hmm. and <laughs> things that can be easily overlooked, but also change your experience and quality of experience, uh, quite a bit. Well, yeah, it comes that, back to the fan. Yeah. That fan yeah. fan comes in handy. Yeah. I mean, Ben, you remember the time we rolled up in Northern Minnesota, got in around three and then three, three thirty in the morning. We're just all charged up to get out on the ice on a private lake was with my brother. We go out there and pitch black. It had to be new moon and uh, Swiss cheese, probably 30 holes. 
Uh, with that gas auger, I'm sure the oh, yeah. uh, residents of that lake appreciated that. Oh, <laughs> Looking back on that, um, and I got tired and tried falling asleep at the bottom of the sled. Woke up to about half my foot frozen, and so I had a limp <laughs> limp up the hill uh, and in and sat there and then got up till and you I, you soldiered it out if I'm not mistaken, right, Ben? Yeah, I took a little cat nap and woke up to get the 5 a.m. bite. Yep. Yeah, yeah how'd that work out for you? I got one fish. There's a crappie. <laughs> the decoy The decoy crappie. crappie. I caught it. <laughs> yeah, so that fan idea, I mean, I sat there and froze to death at the bottom of the sled while you and Taylor were uh, were popping popping fish. So Yeah, and and really, as I think about our, our time fishing, Brandon, it's been an evolution of equipment to where when mm. we first started, I mean, we were not fine-tuned one bit. I mean, we, we basically just threw everything we could think of in walmart bags yeah. right and load, oh, that, load those babies out on the lake and do the best we can well you know now our philosophy has been a lot different where we we're pretty fine-tuned we have everything you know everything has a place we kind of have a system i guess as far as going out and being organized while we fish but just just talk about that first trip that we took up to uh minnesota ice fishing oh, mercy. with your dad and your brother mercy we had a we had you as our fearless leader and a lot of ambition. That was about it. And we, uh, you know, the biggest takeaways, you know, if anyone's taking some notes, is less truly is more. Um, I think we rolled up in a what the goose or the uh, bumper hitch trailer, uh, loaded up a, a ranger in the back. Was all felt like we were geared up, ready to roll. So first thing is we bought enough equipment to stay on the ice to either feed a village or spend a month up there and we were up there for three days. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mistake number one, number two, we didn't bring coolers because shoot, everything was going to be cold. Like Ben said, it was in Walmart sacks, but the downside of that was it was legit air temps below 30, 30 below. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, yep. it was straight up dangerous. It's a different kind of winter up there than it is in central Iowa. Yeah. And Walmart yeah. bags basically turn into like paper bags oh, at yeah. that temperature. I mean, they just fall apart. Shatter. Yeah. <laughs> They just yeah. things like that you never would have thought of. Never would have guessed. No. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many listeners you guys have in California, but we weren't exactly very environmentally friendly that uh that a trip. I do feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, that was the first thing, and so um, less is more. We had way too much gear. We had your sled that we were pulling. Just <laughs> we we're losing bags every trip. Just to with a rope down. Yeah, down these logs. Oh, this was the old sled. This wasn't the otter. The old sled on a little nylon rope. Oh, gosh. And we were whipping around like you wouldn't believe, having the time of our lives going down the logging roads. I think we had somebody, and of course we were stupid because we had so much stinking gear. We had to take like three trips when driving a mile one way to get back there. And I think you or Taylor or even myself laid out on the the, uh, sled it was just getting sprayed with snow and just oh it was a, it was a train wreck. Were we guys running um, uh, to travel, Ranger, or the snowmobile? A Ranger. That, Ranger. Yeah, that trip was a Ranger, and that worked out pretty good. Um, the second thing I remember from this, and this is just, and this was just being naive, quite frankly. Um, I know a lot of people have access to weather, uh, like the weather app and everything, but we knew it was going to be cold. But what we didn't know, and I think is super important for people who spend time in a region in the in the ice belt is there's a lot of roads that i just assumed were maintained that were definitely not maintained oh yeah um i mean ben you remember uh Mm -hmm. we went down a a, what we would consider it's a road there's a pretty populated lake on but they only plowed it from in this case the east and we came in from the west 
Well, the problem with that was is we're pulling this bumper hitch trailer, and there's no way we can back up. And so my brother was playing a little game called Tokyo Drift on on this logging <laughs> road. And I don't, and you remember Ben that they were there was a lot of things we can't say on this podcast being said, but I got to give my brother credit. He he was drifting like a mother with a bumper hitch, and then finally <laughs> we we drove right by the lake we were wanting to because we knew if we stopped, there was no way we could get it started. And so that was, I mean, that's a simple thing, but shame on us for not doing our homework early. Um, so if anyone's going back in some of these more primitive uh, lakes, man, I mean, that was that was pretty, we could have put her in the rhubarb pretty early and uh, that would have ended our trip. But, and as it turned out, we probably wish we would have. <laughs> yeah, we, we were really ambitious, like you said at the beginning. I mean, we were really gung-ho. It was going to be our first big trip up up north and ice fishing. And man, we saw that forecast driving up. It was like negative 20 driving up and we figured it'd be negative 32 in the morning when we woke up. Didn't scare us a bit. Oh, geez. We go out, try and fire up the Ranger and it fired right yeah. up at the hotel. Yeah. Like, all right, yeah, sweet. That it's going to that... be good. You know, truck fired up, Ranger fired up. And we get out to the lake and go to start the Ranger again. Didn't even crank. Wouldn't even think about it. And it was so cold. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah. the, I think one of the relays froze mm-hmm. so the fuel pump wouldn't run. Um, <clears throat> but basically just too cold to be out there. And of course the number of fish we caught was not worth, <laughs> did not equate the deal. <laughs> yeah. The, the amount of time. I feel like that's like the, that's, that's a common theme yep. for those Minnesota ice fishing trips. Yeah, it's been a little rough. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Thank you, Brett. That is, that is true. <laughs> if, if you're counting, that is true. There's a reason we're, we're talking about ice fishing in central Iowa. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. This is the blunder episode. I understand that. Yep. Um, yep. We, we were chasing those uh, basin crappies. And now we found a we found a school of six inches, and that was about it. Well, that's the deal. If you, Unless you know a lake pretty well, chasing basin crappies is just kind of a, you know, a, a popular term. It's a pain in the ass. If you don't know a lake and know what you're doing out there, it can be pretty tough anyways. Yeah, and we were happy yeah. just to find those. Yeah. Because, I mean, this was after a couple of days of us just fumbling around, picking up Walmart bags in the snow and oh, yeah. getting stuck. And All of a sudden, that six-inch crappie and... looks a lot more like a 10-inch crappie. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the old ultralight, when it bent, you were pretty happy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and it goes back to this, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a plug for some of these being light, being mobile um, and, not, and maybe not a plug to chase basin crappies if you're just trying to start. But, you know, we were running that gas auger, and it was just so brutal out. I mean, it, you popped seven, eight holes, and it was just so damn cold, unless you had the shelter over it. It was just, it was just too much work in terms of what we were wanting to do. So yep. um, not the whole put your head down and be tough is probably not the best angle to work when you're starting, for sure. Uh, well, the worst thing and, is, I mean, you just took a week off of vacation. You kind of mm-hmm. want to relax a little bit too, not bust your ass digging out of the snow. We were snow not and, at that stage in our lives yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were just fired up to be out there in general. It's funny. We're at a different stage now, yeah. of course. Yeah. A little bit more strategic for sure. Yes. A little bit more strategic. And, yeah. and that's where the gear comes into play too. You know, Walmart bags, yeah, they'll get you out on the ice. They'll carry all your chips and everything. Uh, they'll do it once. They'll do it once, yeah. And not very well. So now, you know, we're carrying totes out there. We got sleds packed with everything we need. And, and when we're out there to have a vacation and go ice fishing, we're out there to enjoy it. We know we can trust our gear to do that. Yep. So that's what's cool about it now. Yeah, one other takeaway. Um, since we're on, yeah, just kind of that first trip, 
I remember you do learn a lot about lakes for open water fishing as well. Um, and I, I think that's pretty important. If a guy's out there in early ice, and heck, it was mid-ice when we were out there, and the current that was blowing through one of those lakes where it was 30 below and we're in the middle of January up there, and this it was a cold winter for them, and there was six, eight feet of open water in some lake, but you could see where the current was coming through. And this is this is not a river-fed system. It's just a multi-lake system. Um, that was super eye-opening, and I've used hmm. that to my advantage in the musky fishing game um, later on. Now, as mentioned, I haven't caught any muskies, but I've caught a ton of pike through this area, and um, and I know that's where predators are setting up. And so, I don't I don't think a lot of people talk about using their grass at the end of the fall season to start chasing the bait or the, your fish that are going out into the basins, uh, your walleyes that are staging, etc. But I think there's a lot of information a guy can learn about the lake, especially current or where springs are coming through. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really uh, a valuable takeaway for those people who are paying attention. I think that'll pay dividends at different times of year. I mean, it gets a little sketchy trying to fish current, but oh yeah, uh, yeah, spud bar, it. you'll be all right. Spud bar for sure. We're we're really careful on that trip, but that that was very surprising. We yeah, I think I we think heard it from a local too that said, "Oh, watch out for the open water there." We're like, Psh, "There won't be any open water." Are you, are you talking on web? Is that what you're talking, Brandon? Yeah, definitely. A lot of springs out there. Yep, a lot of springs. Yeah, be careful. It's a good shout out to that lake. That's uh, if you can find the mud to sand transition, you can get on them. Yeah, there you go. It's always about those transitions. We talked about that on the previous episodes. Yeah, now stuff. that's third hand knowledge because <laughs> there's. there's <laughs> I wouldn't know, but that's third-hand knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> little disclaimer there for you folks listening up in uh, north-central Minnesota. Yeah. 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 Very good. Cool. Yeah. So so tell us a little bit, Brandon. We we got a, a story that the world has yet to hear um, about uh, cooking out on the ice. So, you know, that's something yeah. that we were really fired up to do uh, the first trip and thought we'd uh, we'd take a, a tailgating tip and and use kind of a turkey fryer type deep fryer you know yeah, propane i fry burner. stuff all the time no problems i don't know brett did some mean chicken wings for us once yeah. and we were hooked so yeah t- tell us a little bit about that what what do you remember on that experience well i remember i remember getting all the stuff once again ben you had set us up we were marking some fish turns out they were six inch crappie um got my dad no brother going which little context my dad <laughs> and brother zero experience yep um just they're just ready to rock we had we had two shacks out there, right? We had a, a big clam shack and then just a little two-man shack, um, portable. And uh, so they were going in the two-man shack, and we had started the uh, the oil up. And, it, and what I recall is because it was so damn cold, the oil was frozen. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Just and so a we solid were block. Start, <laughs> solid oh, block. So we had to cut it out of the stupid container and uh, drop it in. And then, Ben, if I recall, you were traveling back because – well, we we boiled water first to set mm-hmm. to do a little double boiler action to set mm. the oil in the boiling water to thaw, to the, thaw oil. the oil out oh, so we God. could pour it out of the container. <laughs> yeah. Then we dumped all the water, then dumped the oil in. Yeah, that's we, something they don't yeah. tell you on all these YouTube videos when they're yeah. out doing all these catching cooks. Huh? That sometimes the oil frees up on you. Yeah, you can appreciate a good catching cook now. After after <laughs> going through this, you really appreciate a good catching cook. <laughs> So uh, my biggest takeaway, as people hear this story and think, oh, my gosh, this is a complete f- utter fiasco. Yes, it, it was. Is. And anything below 10 degrees, 
unless it's sunshine and still, like, don't do a catch and cook out on the ice. It's just asking for punishment. So, so you were going back, and I was supposed to be watching the oil. And so, and of course, they start getting into some fish. Regardless if they were six-inch crappies, they were, they were stoked up. Start filleting a few eight-inchers out, which is ridiculous as I look back on it. Um, <laughs> start filleting, and then all of a sudden you roll up, and you go over there, and you start seeing a little black smoke come out of that oil. You're thinking, oh, that's probably plenty hot. Turn it down. And all of a sudden, it just turns into an inferno. Oh, geez. So, which anyone who's been through chemistry knows that we should just cut off the oxygen supply. Well, that would have been all all in good if we had the lid. So, <laughs> no lid no in lid, sight. <laughs> no lid in sight. Or thermometer. We had, our, we had to be, that oil had to be like 400, 500 degrees. Well, whatever the flame temp is on oh, that yeah. oil. It was unbelievably hot. Because yeah. it wasn't boiling over, was it? No. No. It nope. just literally, you caught it, it on fire. Yes. Jeez. Yes. I mean, it just spontaneously combusted. Hmm. So, and we had turned the heat off before that, and we just caught it just a smidge too late. Ooh. So, little, little, paint a little picture. We got now what would be a homeless person's furnace three feet from <laughs> a shelter where two guys are sitting in there fishing, just, just ripping six to eight inch crap. Completely out, oblivious like to what's oh, yeah. going on. <laughs> Completely oblivious. And Ben's like, oh, what do we do? Like, oh, we'll just get the lid. That Then we find out there's no lid. And then we're telling those guys, as the flames are boiling over the sides, like, hey, we should, we need to start moving some stuff away. Like, I don't know what the solution is. Um, we looked around, started, and as you know, s- snow at this point is not really a great option. No. Um, so what happened next was just a roundtable discussion of what do we do? <laughs> We are pretty trying to be very <laughs> rational. Table Stand about 20 feet away watching just a plume of black smoke come out of this, oh, this man. fryer. Oh, god! And we had an aluminum snow <laughs> shovel, like a scoop shovel. Yeah. We were trying to cover it with that. that. Of course, that still let air through, so that didn't work. Yeah, it looked like we were burning tires out there. <laughs> just just and, canola oil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we all look around and we think, well, we're certainly not fishing. A, that's a problem. B, this sucker's going to burn for days. Um, <laughs> and so we moved everything away from it. And, and I don't remember who pushed it over, but when it did, it sent an actual shock wave of heat when it hit that hit the snow. Oh, geez. And, yep. and to this day, I'm just waiting for a letter from the EPA. Oh, no, so, it burnt it all up. Probably no problem. Yeah. So, yep, so. so when we, I, I'm pretty sure Taylor pushed it over, but he... <laughs> he's leaning over with a scoop shovel to flip under, under the handle to shove yep. it over away from everybody, of course. And when he goes to step back, he lands on a full Doritos bag. Oh gosh. Yep. And that scared the hell out of me. <laughs> Cause he, yeah. we, uh, simultaneously this mushroom cloud and whoosh goes up and Taylor steps on this thing. And it's, Oh geez. And I was like, ah, <laughs> it was, I thought it exploded. I was like, I don't know how this happened, but we're all going to die. Oh gosh! <laughs> yeah, I and, thought one of two things was happening. I thought people were getting boiled, or two, we were we we're going to find out how deep it was, and which and, which was ridiculous. Oh, good thing there's some solid ice because that I mean it didn't even hardly melt the snow over it. It was just like a flash heat, huh? You know, and then it cooled off so fast, no problem. But yeah, yeah what not to do? Trying once to it got tipped over, it went crappies. out. It was done. Oh yeah. yeah, it went out like instantly. So what's the what's the status on the fryer now? Well, it warped the, it warped the uh, 
container because it got so hot. So it's oh like an egg, egg kind of shape. So I need a new I, a new container. I felt like that was a leading question, Brett. Yeah, that sucker looked like an oval. Ben, <laughs> was does that, was quite does that go into one of your uh, your collection of broken things? Yes, nice. the prop, the everything. Because <laughs> basically, it was whatever temperature aluminum melts at. We're, that we're approaching that temperature. We're on that temperature. Because once the oil catches on fire, it gets pretty pretty hot, oh, yeah. even in addition to that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's quite the story. So the moral of the story, I guess, would be just kind of know what you're dealing with and make sure you're prepared. Yeah, just stick with hot dogs on the buddy. <laughs> stick with hot dogs on the buddy. And we've done some other cooking out. out. We've taken this a little gas grill, like a little tailgate grill, and that works so much better yeah. as well. I mean, it was... That was another brutal cold. My my nickname is Cold Front Peterson. So yeah, um, that's, you that's can no well guarantee whatever the stable weather conditions are, just subtract 15 to 20 degrees as soon as I cross into the Minnesota border. So, <laughs> no matter I don't what prefer, the weather says. Yeah, I prefer fish at only negative pattern. I want to really work for them. Yep. So, you don't want an um, easy bite. No. So, yeah, you know, that's one thing for – it's a silly thing. I'm Everyone probably is aware of it, but – Coolers are great ways to keep things warm too. Yep. When it's really brutally cold, um, and uh, that would be that would be a good takeaway. Yeah, and and we've upped our game a little bit since then, um, and just learning from each experience. So, I well, mean, I'd say that last one was a learning. We didn't experience. have a thermometer on the fryer. You know, now we make sure we have the freaking thermometer because you don't <laughs> let it go over four hundred degrees. You know, no matter what. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, having a lid, that sort of thing. Just just paying attention. Paying attention. Yep, but that would have been good. Then again, maybe someone that's listening to this podcast can uh, file this little story away and avoid the no, same kind of. Everybody's issue. just shaking their head right now listening to this <laughs> podcast. And and you know one other thing, and this may be common for those you know who are in the ice belt, but for us who either a don't commonly get out on the ice or b are not from the ice belt, uh, another trip where we came up with a snowmobile, um, and we went out there and we didn't realize that we knew they were getting snow, some fresh powder, which we thought would be great for snowmobiling. Um, except they had 20 inches of snow over a two, three day period. Um, again, as we, as we, yeah, <laughs> once again, to, to it, true to its name, we get up there and it was great on the trails. I mean, we were bombing away, um, put together a little makeshift, uh, hitch, so we could attach the otter sled to it. Uh, so it was everything was working great. We had condensed everything down. Figured we were learning from our mistakes. We brought that same aluminum aluminum scoop shovel. Uh, unfortunately, that was the most handy tool of our trip that time because 20 inches of snow um, put so much weight on that ice that if there's any cracks and obviously we were popping holes, it turns a 20 yard radius around you into slush. Well, snowmobiles don't work very good into that as it turns out, especially when you're pulling a, an otter sled <laughs> loaded um, down. <laughs> I felt like I was on a P90X challenge up there. So <laughs> got, got a little, didn't gain as many pounds as I normally do up there, but yeah, we spent the entire trip digging ourselves out. I think that was a trip. We, we broke a, the bull whip, which that I've, I've been with Ben a lot open water and ice fishing and i've never seen ben get down like it was then and that's when we knew we had to make a change yeah. so we bombed yep. well we, we go two hours south we got out of the snow belt up there and, and started to pop a lot more holes on less uh, snow covered lakes yep just started started fresh but like on that trip 
I I basically felt like whatever a ranger could or can or can't do, a snowmobile would do ten times better in snow. Yeah. Well, you guys were pumped up that you had the snowmobile ready to roll, and then had studs on it, everything downer. And we just get up there. <laughs> there's so much snow, and of course, like idiots, we just hop off the sled, yeah. pop a hole a foot away from right the next snowmobile, to the sled. Yeah. And immediately, water just gushes out. Yeah. <laughs> and it just covers everything in slush. Um, yes. and, and snowmobiles need a little extra push to get going on regular snow, but yep. with slush, they just slings a bunch of slush, packs it inside, and you can't ever get it so out. So what did you have to do? Get a running start to get the otter hooked yes. up and get going? We had to clear a <laughs> runway. No, no joke. We yeah. cleared a clear spot on the ice down to bare ice <clears throat> in a spot where we didn't have any holes anywhere around and took the snowmobile and pulled the otter over there by ourselves ran the snowmobile over there, then hooked it up, and then shoved off. I think we shoved off. May I oh, was yeah, driving no. and you were pushing? Oh, geez. It looks like I was on the, yeah, I looked like I was on a bobsled team pushing, and then you would take a big <laughs> circle because you couldn't turn at all, and then it looked like we were calf roping, just jump, just jumping on, holding on for dear life. Jump on and just, get going. Yep. Oh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, that was one of those other items where we should have bailed early. Um, so if anyone's fighting that, that's just not worth the effort. And, so then we decided to walk to certain spots, but the snow was so deep. Uh, I'd like to think I wasn't that out of shape, but I felt like I needed to go get a stress test when I was done after that. That wasn't worth it either. And that was the demise of the poor bullwhip. The bullwhip yep. was met its end in a backpack, flipped over, and broke in half. So yep. that, that pretty much did it in for us. We were staying pretty positive before then, but there's just only so much you can take. Yeah, yeah. then and it was bar time. The funny part was it was actually kind of nice out the first couple days. <laughs> I mean, it was in the 30s, 40 degrees almost. Like, we could have been in T-shirts. Dang it. Well, we were in T-shirts because we were shoveling snow pretty much the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good thing you still had that aluminum shovel. And it's funny, too, that poor lake we went out to is, like, pristine before then. Just fresh powder. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That's what gets me pumped up about ice fishing is when you get to a lake and it appears, I mean, if it's fresh powder, it appears you're the first and only person that has been on that lake. Gets you a little chub. After we oh. left, there was about, looked like 40 people had been on it. <laughs> we had tra- like a circle track going. We had all kinds of stuff. Oh, man. Just piles yeah. of snow and slush. And gosh, when that froze, that had to be just hell. To yeah, it was day. like, <laughs> it was a figure eight race out there for sure. We were, we were everywhere. And we were lucky we didn't smoke a belt either. That was, that was fortunate. Yeah, we I did, don't know what we would have done. We definitely that was had good. just a regular snowmobile. It wasn't like a utility one or, you know, yeah. anything meant for pulling. This was just, all or nothing. Oh, geez. We definitely smelt, yeah, so, smelt, smelt the belt burning a few times. Yeah, that's actually a good takeaway for people listening. I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not a snowmobile extra, but I would think it'd probably be worth to get a utility one versus a sport one if you're planning to be using it for pulling your sled, if it has any weight or bringing anyone else on there. that's What's that mean? Does that got a longer track? Longer track or a wider track? Both. Both. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's got and ge- I think it's geared down gears. too, isn't it? Geared down. Oh, you know, like right. a low gear, high gear. You're not bombing 80 mile an hour across the lake. Well, like a snowmobile, like when we, when we were trying to get back out, you could just floor it and not even get the track to spin. You oh, know, it's just geared too high. Oh, yeah. To get to like pull stuff. Get going. So once, if you could get a lower gear, you know, a little bit wider track, yep. something, longer studs, I don't know. One thing I've learned from you guys is that we, we truly are the only people that have been on some of these lakes um, in the winter. And we had 
very little success because we had no time on the water and didn't know where. And quite frankly, once again, equipment was, um, was sufficient because we could fish, but not ideal for trying to investigate water, etc. Um, what I've learned the most is to stay, stay close to home. I mean, there's a lot you can learn just from listening to you guys and being out here, just the little bit that I do get out, um, versus you don't have to drive seven, eight hours to catch good fish. And I think that's probably common. I think a lot of fishermen think they have to drive three hours, um, just for, I don't know what the reason is. It just feels right. And I definitely fall victim to that. Well, yeah, I mean, for me heading up there, I got to head up that far north so I don't have good cell phone signals, so I stopped getting work emails. That's why I got to take those vacations that far away. Mm-hmm. No, there's there's a definite truth to that. You know, yeah. one other tip, Brett, you could just shut your dad off. <laughs> well, yeah, I could do that. You can't yeah. be watching the Iowa State game. Yeah, then how am I going to watch Iowa State game while I'm fishing? <laughs> that is true. That is true. One of these days, I'll get a muskie through the ice. Uh, yeah, I'll show you. We did it. Yeah, no kidding. And that was close to home once again. Yep. Well, anything else to add there, Brandon? No, I think you knit the nail on the head. And once again, the whole less is more. We've made mistakes, and looks like we're five-star chefs out there. Keep it simple. You're out there to fish and have a good time. And if, you, if you're hungry, just throw a few more beers in there. Get your calories that way. Or just make sure to mark the meat raffles down on your uh, calendars. You know what? That That was one thing. If you're going out of town, I know you guys had mentioned calling bait shops, and that's 100% true. But also, if you see some flyers for a good meat raffle, man, that is the hottest item in town, especially if you're north of the Iowa border. Holy smokes. That is a good time. And if you ever want to get some good information, in a, a, at least at minimum a few stories, you f- and then you go find out if they're true or not later, yes. um, that is a great place for some information and some good fellowship for oh, sure. Yeah. And that is the most well-attended event north of the Iowa border. Especially if you win that raffle. Everybody's your friend. You'll be set. Absolutely. But the, Absolutely. the one guy we talked to, to to tell about the tall stories, the guy driving his three-quarter ton wheelhouse and his pickup out on yeah. 10 inches of ice, no problem. He's like, I'd do it any day of the week. That's a little yeah, bit I, of a tall story. So just be aware of that. Yeah, you guys need at a bar aren't the most reliable normally. But yeah, you, you get some first-hand knowledge. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to sometimes read what's true and what's not. The guy's leading in a little bit, and uh, his words start getting a little slurred yeah it's probably probably good to take that at face well value. your first your first tell will be whether he has a tab or if he's paying cash if he's got a tab he's been there for a while that's a veteran move go, that's good. That's a veteran <laughs> wow move. didn't even think of that <laughs> you'll be able to assess the situation a little bit that's awesome my favorite my favorite follow-up question to any good story is to ask how many times have you been out this year and they give you that look like, are you questioning me? And then they tell you, oh, I haven't been out yet, and it's mid-January. That's <laughs> oh, one you should probably uh, the hold back on. Yep. Yeah, that's another good tip. Yep. That way you give the guys, the yeah, the baris, the townies a little shakedown. Yep. Just some qualifying questions first. Yeah. Wait, hold on before you tell me the story. How many times have you been out this year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. it's um. I will say this. Um, for, for those who are traveling out of town, it is to make your ice fishing experience really fun. So if the fish ain't biting, um, look to see if you're finding into one of these towns that have a town celebration. I know Walker, Minnesota has the eel pout festival, um, for how much longer we don't know, may migrate to Bemidji, but that makes for some really good stories and 
as you guys know, the fishing world is a world of community and guys want to help other people out, but also just for a lot of good laughs. Um, and it definitely helps out Phil. Uh, if you're, if you're struggling on the ice, at least a few guys can laugh with you. And, um, uh, and if you're, and if you need to change tactics, most people are pretty helpful. Yeah, that's a really good point. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, there's lots of good activities, uh, in different towns along the way. And I know we don't talk a whole lot about travel on, on this podcast yet, but it's always good to, to go out and about and see what else is out there too. And not just, not just fish your home water. Yeah, if this ever blows up, I would love to do a live from the old pout festival. That's on the bucket list yeah. is to go to the pout festival one of these years. That would be juicy, Brett. Yeah. Look, That'd for, be real look juicy. for the short rod show otter. We'll be hanging out there. No, we'll have a tent hopefully by then. <laughs> we'll be at Trapper's Lodge. <laughs> It'd be wrapped in Miller Lite decals by then. Or we'll be at the Lucky Moose, one or the other. There you go. There you go. <laughs> have you guys been to the Spirit Lake Winter Festival? I forget uh, the name. The Winter Olympics, isn't it called? Winter Games? Winter Games. There you go. Yeah. Have either of you been up there to that? I have not. I haven't either. I know there's a crew from our group that went. Well, Kirby goes every year. Kirby. Yeah, I don't think he does a lot of fishing, though. More drinking. Yep. That, that sounds accurate. The more of the games part. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Very good. Brandon, we appreciate you calling in and talking with us today. Yeah, you got any final thoughts? Man, go out with buddies. Uh, if you're just wanting to get into it, it's a pretty lonely sport to start. <laughs> and there's a lot of things that go through your mind, but it helps if one guy's figuring out something. Maybe, I, maybe it's just me, but I enjoy fish activity in the boat or on the ice it doesn't have to be me catching fish but yep. um, go go with the buddy commit to a body of water start putting the puzzle together and uh and have a good time that would be my takeaways nice awesome that sounds good all righty thanks for having me guys a lot yeah. of fun great information from week to week i'm looking forward to what you guys have for the rest of the ice season awesome well we sure appreciate it and uh hopefully our listeners do too i'm sure uh this episode will go over really well um, we just want to get some different, uh, different opinions out, out there. You know, not everything that Brett and I do is probably the gospel, but no, definitely not. <laughs> um, Brandon, your perspective is definitely appreciated. More like written on the back of a napkin sort of deal. <laughs> That's a bar napkin for sure too. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> awesome. Well, th- thanks everyone for joining us today on another episode of the short rod show. Um, we sure appreciate you listening in and, and keep following us on social media, um, we've had really good success there on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Um, our website has gotten a lot of cool traffic. Or um, send us messages. That's been a lot of fun getting messages from guys this past week or two. Yep. You can direct message us from Facebook. Um, you can email us through our website, too. Um, and just looking at the website, we've gotten so many different types of people uh, from all over the country yeah. that have that The have spread visited. has been unbelievable, the spread across the country that listen to this thing. Yep. So for two guys from Central Iowa, that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, in so, my basement. Hanging out in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> Brett's studio. So we got some really good content coming up for you guys, of course. Um, next week we're going to be going up to the St. Paul show, uh, the big ice fishing show every year. Have a great time. Uh, we'll have some content for you. Well, by the time that. this airs, it'll be this week. Well, but yeah, yeah, you know, people get it. Yep. The first weekend in December. Yep. Um, that'll be cool. So, yeah, stay tuned to the Short Rod Show.